Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hotcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor for Hot Time in Old Town, and joining me today is RJ. RJ, because of some stuff that happened on Monday, our usual recording day, uh, we have to knock this one out pretty quickly. Uh, so without further ado, the Fire lost uh, 2 to nothing to Sporting Kansas City um, on the weekend in anticipation of a big two-game stretch uh, tomorrow against D.C. United and Wednesday, or uh, Saturday, excuse me, against Montreal. RJ, uh, big picture thoughts. What, what do you have for me? I think overall, and I do want to be positive, apart from, you know, the first seven minutes or so, I think um, the game is good for the fire. It's a shame that, you know, they just can't finish. It's a shame that... Um, you know, for the better part of the first half of the game, um, tactically, they weren't there because of the positioning of some players, such as uh, Stojanovic. But, um, I mean, if you totally ignore the first 45 minutes, if you just look at the last 45 minutes or the last part of the game, or the second half, I'm sorry, um, it was really it was really good. I, I think, you know, the fire could have, you know, left with a draw, but, you know, it is what it is. I think part of the problem for me, at least, was that aside from the first six minutes, they were okay. Um, The rest of the first 45 minutes, first of all, you're right. We should acknowledge the fact that they were completely outclassed in the first half. Um, the game plan that... uh management ran out there that wiki ran out there uh was completely wrong and bad and he just got it wrong on the day i think going with the three four three with um two players in midfield just sort of meant that in the middle of the park they were outgunned again it's you can't play two midfielders anymore in major league soccer because teams are just gonna park the extra player there and then make you work around it and sporting kansas city is a team that can counter quickly which we saw but they also like to possess the ball so if you're playing um a midfielder down then that just gives them what they want and that's sort of what happened in the first half (laughs) the thing is this also reminds me a bit and I'm surprised Wiki didn't learn his lesson of the game against the crew um, earlier this season um, back in their old stadium. Yeah. Where the fire were completely outclassed in the first half. And then the second half, you know, they got their heads straight and, you know, they started um, performing some magic out there, but you know, that wasn't enough. So yeah, I think I think I think part of the problem I have with Rafael Wiki as a head coach is his propensity to get it wrong sometimes. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes you know he gets it really right. Uh, he got it right against the Red Bulls uh, three times, even though they only won um, two of those games. I think his game planning against the Red Bulls specifically was very good. Um, I think a lot of the times. 
against teams in the Eastern Conference, he gets it right a lot of the time. And I think part of the problem with playing someone like Kansas City is because they're a Western Conference opponent, they don't take the time or the effort, especially in this stretch of games. I think you were sort of looking past Kansas City a little bit, which, frankly, with the week off is actually kind of inexcusable. So that's that's sort of something um, that we might discuss, you know, once the season is over and everything shakes out. But the fact of the matter is, uh, they got the tactics wrong. They got the personnel, I'd say, largely wrong uh, against uh, a team like Kansas City. And and once, you know, 4 comes in um, and is a bit more um, physical than Robert Barrich and was able to, to hold the ball up successfully and give the fire a bit more possession in the second half. Um, you know, I actually think apart from a four and Barrich, um, I think the personnel was spot on, but they were just placed in the wrong position. Like mm-hmm. um, Stojanovic, he, I, I don't know why he played in the back. I mean, I he's not a six. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem with them only playing with two midfielders is that you're sort of playing a flat line which means um, that Luca has to sort of play where he was playing or um, there's just too much space opening up. But I agree with you. If you're going to play that way, you shouldn't start Luka Stojanovic. Definitely not. I mean, even if you play that way, it. I mean, Pineda has to do an extra you know, shift, but he can move up front a little bit. But... Sure. I mean, well, that would only work against an Eastern Conference opponent, um, but but still, it's just it's just mind-boggling what Wiki did, and you know we can also lay the blame tactically on another guy. I won't name since I'm tired of naming him, but you know, it is what it is. And are his initials FK by any chance? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, but it is what it is. And I think that's going to be the motto for the time being. Well, let, let's talk about Until the second, 2022. Let's talk about the second half then, because um, we saw Frederico Navarro come in and make his fire debut. And almost immediately there was a change, uh, not just in formation, which we will actually talk about um, because I want to talk about the defense and, and the way the back four played in the second half because they switched to a back four from the back three. Um, and I, I, I think that helped and we'll talk about why um, in a bit, but I, I want to talk about Fade first because he, he comes in and the fire suddenly have a ball winning defender at the six. They finally have a guy who's very good at reading passing lanes in the middle of the park as opposed to Pineda, who, who's very good at doing it sort of at the back, which is where, you know, he's positioned. And, and he looks a bit less comfortable uh, going forward. Mauricio Pineda does, but that's a, a story for another time. Fade comes in and almost by himself um, 
creates a scenario where the fire are able to dominate sporting Kansas City for the large part. And you saw uh, the fire got better shooting opportunities. They hit the crossbar a bunch of times. They had some headers that should have probably gone in that went a couple uh, feet wide of each of the posts at one time or another. And, you know, they, they looked to be a completely different team in the second half. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand why they didn't start Navarro, but at the same time, you know, I, I believe that, you know, Navarro could have started and just take him out in the 58th or 60th minute or so and uh, just grind it out for the last um, part of the game. But, yeah, Navarro is a total game changer, and that made me really excited. I think he is... I think the fire has finally found their Dax replacement through Navarro. Um, Not even their Dax replacement. He's like their Pavel Pardo replacement. They haven't, they haven't had a play because Dax McCarty is not a six. He's an eight. So going back to like the best number sixes in, you know, club history, you've got like Chris Armis, right? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, and then you've got Logan Paz and then Pavel Pardo and then basically nobody. Well, I say that because Dax played as a six. Right, but he's not a six. I know, he's not a six. And I think just because of how shrewd just the formation-wise under Ponovich, you know, Bassey would have been at that six and then Dax would have been at that eight, but, you know. But they never, they never really. But the thing is, under Pranovich, they never played with a six, and you can see it in Reading. Reading doesn't really play with a six. Yeah, and they're they getting, play. With, they play with two eights. And they're getting spanked right now. Right, uh, he's getting exposed. But um, anyway, and they just got drink water. Oh god. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you're right. But I, I still think of him as a Dax replacement. I still think that. He's what Pineda would have been, but Pineda's elite at the center back role at the moment. Well, yeah, no, Navarro changed the tempo in the game, and that was really, really exciting to see. That's why I, if, you know, any takeaway, just look at the last 45 minutes, and that's something that we should look forward to for the rest of the season and for next season as well, depending on, you know, personnel changes. He has to start tomorrow against DC, right? He does. Like there's no there's no way he doesn't. Yep, he does. I mean, got Menes out of there. Just Simming still out? Yeah, Alaseda came back in the second half as well and played okay. He he didn't look 100% and they didn't really go to him all that much um on the field. But yeah, I I would start um Stojanovic, Majan and um Navarro. Um, I still want to see Stojanovic move up into that second striker position, I think. I think that's probably the best place for him. Uh, even though I know that's sort of what you signed Alaseda for, I think Alaseda has actually been really good on the wing uh, when he's been healthy. And I think that, you know, if, if your front three, for lack of a better term, um, especially if they play with uh, three four three, is is Stojanovic, uh, Alaseda, and um, probably Chinoso four 
up top. I think that's probably the best front three you could have. Yeah, I'm done with Robert Barrich, and Robert Barrich is probably done. He he does nothing for you. He really doesn't. He's just kind of at the, at this point when he's on the pitch, he's just kind of there. Um, I I I I think he's mentally checked out. I'm mentally done with him. Um, the the dynamic is better when O four is on the field. Um. His hold up play is better. His control, his positioning is better. His, That's his, yeah. His positioning is better. That's the big thing, right? Is he's in the spots where you expect your number nine to be. It's it's like with a four out, everyone can pass him the ball with confidence. With and with Barrage, they're the one doing the shooting. And um, do do a side by side. Just like put a game on, you know, one side of your window and the other game on another side of the window, and just compare, like, what the midfield or what the defense is doing. When Barrett is out there, you know, you have Calvo, you have Stojanovic, you have Majan, etc. You know, trying to score goals with a four out there, it's a little bit more team orientated. So right, they're not really concerned with who's going to score because they know that they'll get in the score. So someone will get in in the scoring position. With O fours out there, I, I I really do. Um, think that O four is the guy going forward, at least until next year, when either they when they when they the two forward signings they have made join the team, and hopefully they'll make another one. Duran and um the academy, Misael okay. Rodriguez, who by the way, um. I believe this is our first podcast since he signed. I, I do want to note that I thought he was very good and probably deserves, um, you know, a, a shot at least of, of making the roster and, and kind of becoming the Chicago Fires Ricardo Pepe, which would be nice to have someone like that on this roster. Hopefully. I mean, um, hopefully the Open Cup is back next year and he can get some minutes. Yeah, maybe tonight as well. The Fire are apparently at IUPUI taking on Indy 11 tonight in a game that is not televised. So but fans did it really happen then? Did it really well, happen? Fa- fans are allowed in the building. So um, that's that's like a thing. You can You can go to the IUPUI stadium tonight and watch... Presumably the Chicago Fire Reserve team uh, uh, play against Indy 11 and, and see what's going on. Uh, so that would be cool. Um, I think let's talk about the defense now because I promised it. And, you know, we, we are on a tight schedule. So this is going to be one of the shorter episodes today. Uh, so let's let's talk about the defense real quick before we sort of have to get on out of here, because um, this was like the only window we could record the podcast before we all had stuff to do. Um, so I think that um, I don't generally mind a back four and over a back five. In fact, I prefer it because I like having you know the extra player in the midfield. Um. To play around with, but the fact of the matter is you can't play um, a back four with Francisco Calvo. Uh, 
but you can play a back four without Francisco Calvo, which we saw. We saw uh, Tehran and uh, Jonathan Bornstein as your two center backs. And while it's sort of a patchwork and you'd rather have like an actual center back there instead of Jonathan Bornstein. Um, I thought that defensively it, it worked out against the Kansas City team uh, because you had that proper number six there to take care of the defense and, and mitigate a lot of stuff. So I, I, I think with having Fade in there, it just it changes the way you can play defense. And um, I, I think, again, maybe it's too little too late and they could have done used this a couple of games ago. But, you know, th- things are looking up and, and they are looking to have a good final stretch of the season on the road or otherwise. Yeah, if everything clicks into place, but you know how, you know, Wiki likes to mess around with his formations where, you know, I, I, ju- I just hope that they also give the kids some minutes as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I know. Um, well, they're going to play, presumably they're going to play tonight, which means they're probably not going to play tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. But later on in the season, because I believe there are some games where, you know, the kids could play in, like, uh, not New England, <laughs> um, like Toronto, Cincinnati. Um, I don't know how Real Salt Lake is doing. I know they sacked their coach for whatever reason. But, yeah, that's that's like two or three games where the kids can play. Because um, we all know this season's a wash. Let's let's be honest. Well, Real Salt Lake is in seventh place currently. They're tied uh, on points with LAFC for the seventh and final playoff spot. Um, I, let me say this about the playoff spot. I mean, I know MLS is MLS, and I know. Well, that's one thing. Something stupid always happens, and the fire could squeak into the plays uh, playoff but with with how the team is structured right now is that even a good thing i mean w- would it be better just not making playoffs or you know get embarrassed in the playoffs well let me let me put it to you like this uh in mls the draft doesn't matter so not making the playoffs and getting a, a better draft selection is irrelevant. So in that sense, it's always good to make the playoffs. Um, I think that making the playoffs might bandage some things and might make the front office realize, you know, that, some things have to change, but you have to believe at some point that, or at some point, you have to believe that the front office realizes that there's really no difference between sneaking in the playoffs at seven and then eight. 
Um, and if you don't think they're smart enough to realize that, then you have bigger problems as an organization. So I'm choosing to believe until they prove me wrong that they're smart enough to realize that if they change anything, um, that... Um, I mean, the, the front office doesn't need the playoffs to figure out, you know, there needs to be change. I mean, just... No, what I'm saying is that they're going to... That, the the reason why you wouldn't want the team to make playoffs is that you don't think the front office is smart enough to realize that making the playoffs means there doesn't need to be changes. And if you believe that making that the front office thinks that if they make the playoffs there doesn't need to be changes, then you have bigger problems than on field. Then then you have existential we have the wrong people in the front office problems. And, and, and that is a bigger issue than, you know, than, than thinking the other. That's my point. So, yeah, so that's that. Uh, Wednesday, uh, the reason why we're talking about this is because they have Wednesday against D.C., and then Saturday against Montreal. So there is an opportunity here to essentially pick up 12 points on the teams around them. So he, here it is, right? Yeah. Um, I think um, I think these are both winnable games, especially against DC. Uh, against Montreal, I think um, you're probably going to need a bit of luck, but I could either see a draw or a win. So I, I think um, I'm going to be positive for these next two games. And, you know, if nothing happens, nothing happens. And yeah, Columbus is at New York this week. So that, that game's always interesting. You know, it's that's your 10 11. Columbus is playing New York. And Inter uh, is. Playing Toronto, Inter's probably winning that game because Toronto never got good, unfortunately for TFC. And uh, Atlanta have Cincinnati, who won last week. So Cincinnati is sort of riding, or riding a wave of uh, a positive result after losing three in a row. So... That's something. So I don't know. It it could be uh if if the fire do manage to win on Wednesday, it could it it, it could be a really big result as far as the playoff race is concerned. Um, I I have sort of but in some respects, last week based on the results around them was a must win. Um, because if they beat. Kansas City last week, then they're set up for really good couple of days, um, beating up on you know DC and Montreal. Because um, if we're being really honest, like six through you know six through twelve, I'd say the mid the mid table of of the Eastern Conference, uh, the, which the Fire are sort of at the bottom of mid table. Um, they uh, 
they're all relatively similar in uh, relatively similar in um, quality. So, you know, if the, if the fire can run good and the results follow, the fire is still in it. But I don't know. Um, I I feel everybody saying play your kids. I, I I understand it, and part of me agrees, but another part of me sees that it's MLS and, and you can sneak into the playoffs. And you know, once you see once you sneak into the playoffs and have a hot goaltender, you you can make a run. So. I understand. It's it's just that, you know, speaking as a fan, and you know, I don't I don't speak for you know, for all you folks out there, but I I want to see the kids play, and I and I don't want to see the fire get you know spanked in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, we know for at least one game, they are playing um, their f- veteran, for lack of a better term, first choice squad. Because the kids are probably playing tonight, yeah, against Indy Eleven. Which you know, I it's a shame that we can't watch it. I I really someone do can, want, yeah, someone can. Someone out there, um, what what is it? What's the streaming on Twitter called now? Periscope still. Yeah. <laughs> someone think. periscope it. I'm yeah. sure they have Wi-Fi there. <laughs> Maybe, we'll see. Anyway, uh, that'll do it for this quick episode of the hotcast you can find us on twitter at the hotcast email us northlotpodcast at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at ruben tish you can find rj on twitter at rga underscore zero two that'll do it for this week we will see you next monday hopefully after the fire uh get six points on the road and can can try and do something with the rest of the season. We will see you then. Have a great rest of your week.